Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Get your Bibles out and go with me to Acts chapter number 10. Now, today I have a wonderful message. It's an important message, and it's a very serious message. So, in order to kind of lighten the mood before we get started, I figured that you all needed a joke to start off today. Is that okay? And so, uh, you know, I just want to mention this to you, tell you this joke, and that way we can all smile, we can laugh, and then we can get into the serious stuff, and that way at least you'll get serious stuff with a smile on your face. There was a woman that went down to the police station with a friend, and she walked up to the counter and said, I'd like to file a missing persons report because I can't find my husband anywhere. And so the clerk behind the desk said, okay, I've got some paperwork for you to fill out. Uh, you know, tell me about your husband. What does he look like? What does he, what does he act like? And so she said, well, he's tall, six foot two, very handsome. Uh, he's got deep blue eyes that you could just get lost in. He's a very kind man. He, he's, he's always good to the people around him. And at that moment, the friend grabbed the arm of the lady and pulled her to the side and said, can we talk for a second? And she said, yeah, what is it? She says, that is not your husband that you're describing. Your husband's bald, fat, short, angry, mean, and really an ugly person. I don't know what you're describing there. And she says, well, yeah, but who wants that guy back? Acts chapter number 10, we're going to be in verse number 9, and I'm going to read down through verse number 15. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse number 9. If you remember last time, we were talking about a man by the name of Cornelius. This was a Gentile. He was an Italian. The Jews were the chosen people of God. The Gentiles were those outside of the Jewish covenants with God. These were any people. This was everybody, right? Cornelius had a vision of an angel coming to him and saying, hey, your good deeds and your prayers, your alms have been remembered before the Lord. I want you to send and get Peter, and he's going to speak to you the things that you need to hear. He's going to give you the help that you need. And so we pick up the story in verse number nine. The next day, as they went on their journey, remember he sent two servants and a soldier to go and get Peter. The next day, as they, the soldier and the servants, went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Now, we think about 6 p.m., that's not the sixth hour. The sixth hour was actually at noon, okay? That was at lunchtime. So he goes up on the roof, and the rooftops, if you can imagine, in the Middle East, right, there in Israel, the, the houses had those flat rooftops, and that was a place that they could go. Verse number 10, then he became very hungry. Does that happen to anybody else at, at noontime? I know if you ask my wife, she'll say, Pastor Dan is a beast at lunchtime until he gets fed, and so that's why meetings don't go very long from 11 o'clock with me, all right? He became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. The word in the original language is the same word that we use for ecstasy, that he was transported to another realm, another place. He had what we would consider to be an open vision. He was there on the rooftop, yet he wasn't there on the rooftop. He was in a trance. He was in another place, another state. Verse 11, he saw heaven opened, and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him, and let down to the earth. Verse 12, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, verse number 13, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Verse 14, but Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Now, this is classic Peter style, isn't it? How many times in the word of God has Peter corrected the Lord? No, Jesus, you're not going to the cross. Not so, Lord. Here Peter is doing it 
Again, God is trying to teach him something. He's trying to show him something through this vision, and yet Peter needs to correct the Lord's theology. Wait a second, God. I'm a Jewish man. I've stuck to the Jewish menu. See, the Jews had a kosher diet, if you will. You've heard that term kosher. You've gone to the, the grocery store, and there in the hot dogs. You've seen the Hebrew national, and they've got that little letter K on there meaning kosher. It means that they're a certain type of meat, that they've been blessed by a rabbi, and that the Jews are able to eat that. Because in the book of Leviticus and in the book of Deuteronomy, there are dietary laws that were laid out by God for the children of Israel. There were types of foods that they could eat and types of food that they could not eat. They had to look at the hoof if the hoof was cloven or if the hoof was cloven but they didn't chew the cut or they did chew the cut. And so basically what it came down to, cows cool, pigs bad, and other stuff in there mixed in. If it flies but it creeps on there, don't eat it, right? There was, if, if it's a fish and it has scales and fins, then you can eat that, but nothing else you can't eat that if it doesn't have the, 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 the scales and the fins, that sort of thing. So they had to really be careful about what they ate. And they had a kosher diet. So Peter reminds God, hey, I'm a Jew, and I've always eaten the kosher diet. Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Now, two words that he says, common or unclean. I want you to note those in your thinking. Verse 15, and while the voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. So after Peter corrects the Lord, the Lord corrects Peter. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven. Again, in other words, Peter had the same vision and the same response, the same reaction, and the same revelation three times. The title of today's specific message in the story of us is this, The Uncommon Cleanse. See, here in the vision, we find out that Peter has a problem. The problem has been handed down from his fathers and was a part of his way of life. In fact, the people that Peter was around reinforced Peter's problem. They reinforced his belief. See, Peter's problem was one of racism and prejudice. Had God not dealt with the problem, we may not be here as a church today. And God, in the way that God gets a hold of our lives, is he speaks to us where we're at. He speaks to us into in the condition and the state that we are at. Notice that uh, he confronts the issue in a way that really spoke to Peter because the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Come on, somebody, anybody can tell me that that's the truth, right? You ladies especially know that. You want something from your husband, you make a nice fine meal for dinner. When he comes home, he walks in the door and he says, oh, dinner, you never make dinner. Is it our anniversary? Because I'll go to the store and get you a card, right? No, and, and you just, no, 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 honey, come sit down and eat. We need to talk, right? See, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. It is noontime. Peter's hungry. He's up on the roof waiting for them to make a meal. He's going to pray, and God gives him a vision of food. In fact, he gave him a vision of a sheet with many animals on it. I believe we have a picture of that there up on the overhead. You can imagine this sheet being let down out of heaven and all the animals coming and all of the things that he saw. He saw animals of every kind. And in his Jewish mindset, he looked at these animals and he saw them as some of those animals were clean animals, animals that he could eat. Being a fisherman, he would have known which fish he could have eaten and which ones he could not have eaten. Being a man that was a Jew raised up, he would have known which of the four-footed animals and which of the creeping things and which of the birds of the air that he could have eaten and which ones he could not have eaten. But as he looked and he noticed that there were animals that were not on the Jewish menu, Things that were clean and unclean. Peter had never eaten anything unclean, but he also tells the Lord something else. Remember, not just clean and unclean. He says, I've never eaten anything common. Everybody say common. Say it again. Say common. 
Come on online, you guys participate with us. You need to say that when we say it, or maybe type it in the comment section if you'd like to. See, common meant of a general or ordinary type. But the Jews were a special and extraordinary people with a special menu. Think about it for a second. The Jews were a special people. Who else had God called out to go and to go into the land that God had called them to? Who else had received the promises of the fathers with blessing and of land and of being a blessing to all nations? Who else had God with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm delivered from Egypt? Who else had God given the promises and the law to? Who else had God done and made this special people a holy nation and the apple of his eye? Who else had God done that with? No, these were a special people with a special menu. And yet God wasn't talking to Peter about food. He was wanting to teach him about people. See, you can cleanse the unclean, is that right? But you cannot make something uncommon. Clean is a changeable state. If you got a dirty dish, go clean the dish. If you have something that's not sanctified, you can sanctify it. You can make it clean or make it holy. But when something is common, common is a consistent state. It's one of the same kind. See, you can have a dirty dish that you can clean, but if that dish is a paper plate, it's a common plate. It's not like the fine china. You understand what I'm talking about? And here Peter is looking at these animals, and he says, I've never eaten anything unclean or common. And God reminds him, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. That shows me that God's cleansing makes us uncommon. Remember, with man, common is an unchangeable state, but with God, all things are possible. Therefore, God speaks a truth to Peter that we need to understand because God wasn't talking about the menu. God wasn't talking about food. He was not talking about animals. He was getting ready to break open the Gentile church, but Peter had a prejudice in his heart against the Gentiles, and Peter wouldn't have gone with these men or talked to Cornelius and his household. He would have thought that these people would have had to have converted to Judaism first, and then they could have Jesus. But God was preaching a truth to Peter's heart, and he's speaking it to us today, that what God has cleansed, you must not call uncommon. Is anybody listening today? God's cleansing makes us uncommon. This cleansing comes from the blood of Jesus. See, the blood of Jesus was no ordinary blood. This is God in the flesh. This is the God who came and dwelt among us. He lived a life among us. He was born of a virgin. He did not have the terminal blood disease on the inside of him, and yet he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is the one who came, who lived the perfect, spotless, sinless life. He's the only one who ever qualified to be the Lamb of God slain. And he went and he laid down his life on the cross for you and I. And he poured out his blood on the mercy seat of heaven. See, this is no common, this is no ordinary blood. And when that blood is applied to the doorposts of your life, now that death passes over your life. See, this is the blood that makes clean. This is the ones who, when you take your dirty robe and you dip it in the rivers of his blood, there is a fountain that makes clean now, and it flows from the blood of Jesus. This is no common, no ordinary blood. This is the blood of cleansing. This is the blood that when it's sprinkled on you, makes you clean. God's cleansing now makes us uncommon. Because this blood just doesn't deal with the outside, it deals with the inside. 
And this blood is offered to all men. That means that there is no common man and there is no common woman because we now have a value placed on us and the value is the price that was paid. That is the ultimate price, the very life of God himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9 through verse number 11 in the New Living Translation. The Apostle Paul writes and he says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, verse 10, or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. There are a people who are unclean. Jesus separates people into two categories. There's sheep and there's goats. There's believers and unbelievers. And none of the ones that are unbelievers, none of the goats, none of the people who practice these things, it doesn't say none of the people who did these things, right? Because if you read on in the next verse, verse number 11, it says, some of you were once like that. We were adulterers. We were fornicators. We were homosexuals. We were thieves. We were cheaters, right? Rude to our parents, disobedient, rebels, We were all of these things. We beat up people or we used and abused people. See, we were once like that. Yet when the blood is applied to your life, it takes you from being a goat, unclean, cleanses you, and now makes you a sheep, clean. It takes you from being an unbeliever when you believe in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to now being a believer. It takes you from headed for hell now to headed for heaven. The unclean can now be made clean. See, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. Holy means exclusively God's. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Notice that in Peter's vision that the sheet that was let down out of heaven had animals that were clean and what he thought was unclean on the sheet. That shows me that there's going to be people in heaven who we're going to say, they made it? And they're going to look at you and go, they made it? Right? Some of you can say amen to that. Yeah, they knew me in my past life. They knew what I was doing. They knew where I was going. See, in God's eyes, people are not common. There is no common person that you've ever met. They're either a sheep or a goat. They're either clean or unclean. But none of them are uncommon. Why? They're clean if God has cleansed them. And remember, we're talking about people here. Okay, because Peter had a prejudice that he needed to get over. I love what Billy Graham said. He said, Christianity is not a white man's religion, and don't let anybody ever tell you it's black or white. Christ belongs to all people. He belongs to this whole world. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, the New King James Version says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that according to the flesh that you're no longer white or black or Latino or Asian or whatever your nationality is. According to the flesh, you still are those things. We are still American citizens. We still are workers, right? We're still a part of company or a part of groups, social clubs, and that sort of a thing that we invest our time in. We are still those things according to the flesh. But according to the Spirit, those things no longer make you clean or unclean, common or uncommon. No, now we are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus. 
God sees you with equal portion, equal opportunity in the kingdom of God, equal authority. Even in male or female, see, sometimes people get hung up on these things. They say, oh, is he talking about the transgender, LGBTQ, RXYZ thing? You know, is, is, is God promoting those things? Absolutely not. What God is saying is that that no longer hinders you in the kingdom. See, according to the flesh, when Adam sinned, yes, there was family structure and authority structure in the home, that sort of thing. But according to the kingdom now, men and women, black, white, brown, any other color you can imagine, we all have equal authority and equal opportunity to go out and do the things of God. We all have equal access to the throne room, access to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are one in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody shout amen. Come on at home, shout and make your neighbor's nervous, say amen. Jesus died for all of us. God's cleansing makes us uncommon. But the second thing I see in this vision is that faith makes us uncommon. Our faith makes us uncommon. I've heard it said if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, if you can ignore a friend's limited education and never correct him, if you can resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend, if you can face the world without lies and deceit, if you can say honestly that deep in your heart you have no prejudice against creed, color, religion, or politics, then, my friend, you are almost as good as your dog. Think about that. But what separates us from the animals is that we have a spirit. We are a spirit. You are a spirit man or woman. You are a spirit being, right? You are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. And that's what separates the man from the animal kingdom. The Bible says the soul of the animal goes down into the earth, but the soul of man rises up into heaven. And therefore, we are different. We now live a spiritual life, and that spiritual life is to be lived by faith. The just shall live by faith. If you've been justified by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have been cleansed, then your life is now a life of faith. Notice what happens in Acts chapter 10, verse number 19 and 20. It says, while Peter thought about the vision. Remember, this happened to him three times. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him. Everybody say, the Spirit. See, we need to be listening for the voice of the Spirit. The Spirit is speaking to us and leading us and guiding us in life. And the Spirit said to Peter, behold, three men are seeking you. Verse 20, arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have said that the Spirit says, I don't want you to doubt this word that I'm speaking to you. That means I want you to believe the word that I'm speaking to you. I want you to be in faith over what's about ready to happen, Peter. Get your eyes off of the natural thing. Get your eyes off the fact that they're Gentile, that they're not like you, that they're not a part of your race, Peter. I want you to go with them, and I want you to realize that what's about ready to happen is of me. In verse number 20, the Aramaic version, God says to Peter not to be divided in the sense of his mind towards going. This could also be translated, don't let prejudice keep you from them. See, we need to get God's vision for people, and we need to see them as God sees them. And our faith goes beyond our natural sight. You know, I've had people, okay? Now, now listen, I'm going to say something to you, and I'm, I want you to know I'm not trying to harm anybody. Not to, if you've said this, I don't want you to feel guilt over this. I just want you to hear my personal thought process and what God has taught me and what God has led me to do. I have heard people that have said to me and said to others around me that if you don't see the color of my skin, then you don't see me. But the problem with that statement is is that I already saw that when you walked in the room. 
That's the most basic level of understanding of who a person is, is their flesh. You know, the Bible equates the flesh with carnality. And it says if we walk in the flesh, then we cannot please God. And so when I tell people, I know you're black, I know you're Latino, I know you're Asian, I can see it by what you look like. I can see that about you, right? That's the most basic level of understanding that we can have of somebody because I see that and yet I don't, listen to this, listen, 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 I don't let what I see affect my view of the person. See, I see beyond the natural and the carnal and the fleshly and I see to the heart of the person. Why? Because long ago, When I got saved, I chose to start seeing things the way that God sees them rather than the way that man sees them. Now, I understand that what we live in in the flesh affects our worldview. It affects the way that we've been brought up. It affects all those things. But did you know that when you got born again, that that old man passed away and that all things have become new? You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Bible literally talks about you being a new creature. You are a new formed creature. You are one of those ones that was let down on the sheet, some of every kind. You are no longer a common black man, a common white man. You are no longer a common Latino, a common Asian, a common Australian, a common African, a common anything on the earth. Now you are born again. You are brand new. You are a son or a daughter of Almighty God. You are a king's kid. You are a part of the family of God. And you know what? I haven't seen a spirit. Our God is the invisible God, the Bible says, and I don't think that has any color. Come on, somebody. What does the word say about it? Let's take a look at it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. See, there was a time before we were saved, before we were born again, that we thought, oh, Christ was a man. It was born on the earth. We understood it according to the flesh. Oh, he died on the cross for my sins. We regarded him according to the flesh. How does that affect me 2,000 years later? What's going on with that? See, we had to get a revelation by the Spirit of God that awakened us on the inside that I believe on him. I lay down my life and give him everything, and then now we are born again, and now we look at Christ and we say, this is God in the flesh. This is Almighty God laying down his life. He was the Lamb of God. He sacrificed himself for us. See, that's foolishness to those that are still in the flesh, but to those that are in the Spirit, it's the wisdom of God. There's a difference. And now when we look at others, I no longer look around and say, hey, there's a bunch of black people in the room. There's a bunch of white people in the room. There's a bunch of Latinos and there's, there's a bunch of... No, I don't say that anymore. I say the family of God is in the room. The family of God is online right now. See, there's no longer all these races when it comes to the kingdom. There's one race. It's the human race. There's one blood. It's the blood of Jesus. One spirit, one Lord, one God, one baptism, one faith, one God and Father of all, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stop looking with the natural eyes. and Looking at people with the eyes of faith, it will change the way that you live. You know, the other day we were uh, gathered, my family and I were gathered in our home and uh, hanging out, and we have a bunch of windows in, our, in the front of our house, 
and we saw a cat walk across the front of our house. Now, we don't have cats. We're very allergic in our family. And so uh, we, we were there, and uh, we saw this cat walk by. And, and so the whole family ran out to go and see this cat. I don't know why that's so interesting to us. But we did. The whole family goes running outside, right, to go see this cat. And so we're all out there, and we're looking at it. And we're, what kind of cat is this? Is it a neighbor cat? Is, and, you know, and the cat looked kind of tore up, if I could say it that way. I mean, it was, it was kind of scruff, you know, little little patches and this and that. And as we're looking at it, we're realizing something different about this cat. Had a tail probably about this long hanging down behind it. And we're looking at it and it just didn't look like everything was all right. Went around the corner of our house, kind of just sat down for a while. And so we all kind of carefully went up. The whole family is walking. All five of us are kind of like, look at the cat. You know, I don't know what's wrong with us, but that's how we, we operate. It must not be that much going on in the Roth household these days. So here we are looking at this cat, and we realize he's got these little things coming off the top of his ears, little, little black, long things. And, and we're looking at him, and we're going, is that, a, is that a lynx? Is that a bobcat? What is that? We couldn't really tell what kind of cat it was, but we saw the long things coming off the top, and I saw the tail, that sort of a thing. And uh, the cat noticed us. And so the cat kind of slowly said, I'm going to just excuse myself right now and just head on over, over here because you guys are staring a lot. And I noticed the cat looked like its hair had been singed. Its eyes looked like it was glazed over. It looked like it had been through one of the fires in our local mountains. And as I was looking at this scruffy, pathetic-looking cat, I got a picture of what a lynx looks like. I have a picture of it up on the overheads behind me. Look at that cat. That's a majestic cat, right? That's a, that's a beautiful cat. Look at, look at the beard coming down. Look at, look at how full it looks. Look at how mighty it looks. I mean, that's a cat that you don't mess with. That's a cat that if you saw walk across your front yard, you may not uh, rush outside to go and see. You know what I'm saying? You might go and get the camera to see if you could get a picture from long distance and show everybody this is what walked across my yard. See, there was a different level of respect. And when I realized what kind of cat this was, when I got that picture in my thinking, all of a sudden my hand went to my little son and I said, let's stay back. Let's respect this cat. Let's give him its space. We were thinking about, do we call animal control to help this cat? Uh, you know, is it going to go to the neighbor's yard and attack another person, attack an animal or that sort of a thing? Because this is a wild animal and it deserves to be treated differently because of the picture that we got on the inside. See, when we regard people according to the outward, according to the flesh, when we look at them and we see them in a fallen state, when we start to see them according to their blackness, their whiteness, their, uh, you know, their cultural background, whatever that may be, South American or uh, Asian or whatever that is, when we look at people and regard people according to the flesh, we'll treat them a certain way. There will be prejudice. There will be racism. It will always be on the earth as long as there is sin, everybody. So let's understand that. As long as the devil is still loosed on the earth, as long as there is sin in man's heart, as long as we're living in this fallen world, these things will be things that we are dealing with. But if we're going to make headway in the church, because I'm not speaking to the world right now. I'm speaking to believers in church. I'm talking to you guys that are here because this is where we fight our battles. I'm equipping you guys so to bring change that needs to be brought and to do what we need to do as the church. We no longer regard people according to the outside. We get a picture of them. They are no longer common. They're not just a common person. No, they are uncommon. The blood of Jesus has paid for their sin. Jesus Christ loves them so much that he died for them. And when you get that picture, you start to respect people. You start to love people. You start to work with people. 
the walls start to come down and you realize, hey, they're no different than me. We are both special in the eyes of God and therefore you treat them with dignity and the respect that they deserve. You remember when Samuel was going to anoint the next king and he went and the sons of Jesse were presented before him. He gets to Eliab and Eliab is tall and handsome and he says, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. God speaks to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. See, we're talking about our sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We see past the outward and we have a view of humanity because of what the Lord has done. The Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Christians, men and women of God, it's time to stop looking at the flesh and start looking at the heart. It will change the way you view people. Last one is this. Not only does God's cleansing make us uncommon, not only does our faith make us uncommon, but the last one for us today is this, is that obedience makes us uncommon. Obedience makes us uncommon. Centuries before Peter, there was another Jewish man that went to Joppa. He went to Joppa because he was running from the commandment of God. He jumped on a ship and ended up in the middle of a storm because of it. You might know this man. His name is Jonah. Jonah had been told to go and preach to a company of Gentiles, the people of Nineveh. Nineveh was an unruly bunch of people. They had come against the nation of Israel. They had no regard for God. They had their own gods. They were a proud people. And Jonah did not like the Ninevites. And if I could say it to you in modern day present terms, Jonah was a racist. He didn't want to preach to these people. And so he said, no, God, I'm not going to preach to them. And he ran from the call of God. He ran from the voice of the Lord, went to Joppa, jumped on a ship, and found himself in the middle of a storm. And all of a sudden, he finds himself thrown off the boat in order to save those sailors' lives. And he gets swallowed up by a fish and spit out on the shores of Nineveh. He goes grudgingly and he preaches the word of God and all of Nineveh repents. And you remember Jonah goes and sits up on a hill to see what the Lord's going to do and the Lord decides that because the people of Nineveh repented as I believe God wanted them to because God is loving, gracious, full of mercy, compassionate and kind. And he relents of doing evil on the earth. He does not want to do the things that he says but he will bring those judgments if we are unrepentant. He leaves the ball in our court But the city of Nineveh, all the way up to the king and every animal, had sackcloth and ashes, and they were fasting to see if the Lord would stay his hand of destruction. And sure enough, God did. And Jonah, being the racist that he was, sat up on a hill and pouted, had himself a pity party. And at the end of the book of Jonah, you can read it for yourself, he's more concerned about a plant that gave his head shade than he was about a city full of hundreds of thousands of people probably that we're going to die and go to hell. And it's in this same place, next to the same sea, that here Peter has a vision. And yet Peter didn't run from the commandment of God. When he heard the word of the Lord, he believed it, he received it, and then he went and did what God had called him to do. Acts chapter 10, verse 23, look at what happens. Then Peter invited them in. He brought the two servants and a soldier into the house. Now, for all of us, we might think, that's cool. Hey, good on you, Peter. 
but maybe you don't understand what the word's really saying. Because the Jews didn't do that. You did not have Gentiles in your house. You say, well, that wasn't Peter's house. Absolutely, you're right. He was in the home of Simon the Tanner. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Do you know a tanner was considered to be unclean according to the Jewish customs and law? They had to be at least 50 cubits, which was about an arm's length away from any other people. So that's why Simon the tanner lived by the sea was because he was outside of the city. He was far away from everybody because he would be dealing with animals that were now causing him to be ceremonially unclean. And yet Peter didn't have a prejudice against this man who was unclean because why? He was a Jew. He was uncommon. Are you listening? And so he's with a Jew, and apparently God's okay with that. Remember, Jesus had made all animals clean. He said it's not what goes into the man that defiles the man, but what comes out of him, what comes out of the heart, adulteries, fornication, evil desires, right, lust, and all those things. He said, so he declares all foods clean. So Peter didn't have a problem with being with Simon the Tanner, but he would have had a problem if the Gentiles showed up at the gate and said, hey, we need to talk to Peter. Peter would say, right there, just stay right there. Don't come any further. Why? Because you're common. But now Peter sees this. He hears the word of the Lord. He believes it, and now he acts accordingly. He invited them in, and he lodged them. They spent the night together. Any good Jew would have had a problem with that. And on the next day, Peter went with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. In other words, his actions are already affecting others. Peter walked in obedience to the word of God. Can I ask you this question today? Who is at your gate? Is it a black person? Is it a white person? Who are you keeping at arm's distance? Who is at the opening to something that God wants to do in your life? Is it a Mexican? Is it a Latino? Is it an Asian? Who's at your gate? What opportunities or people has God placed in front of you? Are there Democrats that just make you stark raving mad where you start foaming at the mouth when you talk about them? Are the Republicans just frustrating you? Are the pedestrians when you're driving on the street just killing you every day? Do you find yourself saying those people or saying they're all idiots, right, and grouping people into a common state? Who's at your gate? What opportunities are lying just outside of your reach that you need to walk in obedience to the command of God? In the book Loving Mercy by Simon Ponsonby, he tells the story of Judson Cornwall. Judson Cornwall was an American Pentecostal preacher who after World War II was invited to speak at a renewal conference in Germany. Now, I want you to notice this is a white man going to preach to white people, right? Prejudice isn't just black and white. Let me let that sink in because I've heard it said in our society, all white people are prejudiced and all black people aren't prejudiced. Then what do you do with the Hutus and the Tutsis in Africa that were slaughtering? Them. What do you do with the black-on-black violence of the Crips and the Bloods? Prejudice comes in many forms. What do you do with people who discriminate against people with disabilities? Hello? What do you do with the people that say, well, you know, I'm not a Mexican, I'm a Colombian? Hello? Discrimination, prejudice, racism comes in all shapes, forms, and sizes. And here's an American Pentecostal preacher who's invited to Germany after World War II. But Cornwall had a deep-seated grudge against the Germans and simply threw the invitation into the trash. Remarkably, when his wife emptied the bin, she spotted the invitation, pressed it out, and put it on his desk again. 
It haunted him for days as he shuffled around it. Finally, the spirit won, and he reluctantly agreed to go. Arriving in Germany, he was not relieved of his disease, and the conference center turned out to be the former headquarters of the SS. This was Hitler's elite guard, which aroused all sorts of images and old hatreds in Judson. He spent two days before the conference praying and fasting and preparing and avoiding the Germans. On the first night of the conference, he went down to speak and took offense at his translator, a somewhat stereotypical German woman. He spat out his sermon, so it was no surprise that it was badly delivered and badly received. He turned, returned to his room and decided to go back to America the next day, full of humiliation and emotion. He cried himself to sleep. In the night, he woke the demon screaming in his mind, You don't belong here. You have no authority here. Go home. Now, Judson was experienced in spiritual warfare. And so he recognized the attack and figured it had to do with the demonic history of the SS in the building. He immediately rebuked the demons in Jesus' name, and three times the demonic voices woke him throughout the night. Three times he rebuked them. And after the third time, he got up and he asked God what was happening and why his prayers weren't sufficient and why the demons kept returning. The Lord spoke to him immediately, the demons are tormenting you because you really don't have any authority here. You have no authority here because you don't love these people. Your authority to minister is related to your love for those to whom you minister. Now you can go on hating these people, pack up and go home tomorrow, or you can let me love them through you. Cornwall acknowledged his deep racism and prejudice. Too embarrassed to go home, he confessed his sin and asked God to love through him the Germans who he loathed. He knew he needed a miracle of grace. Immediately he was overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and filled with Christ's love for the Germans. Having spent two days avoiding the Germans and refusing to eat with them, he could not wait for breakfast. <laughs> he rushed downstairs to the queue for breakfast and greeted and hugged everyone in the food line, and when he got to his translator, he gave her a big kiss and hugged her. Immediately she pulled back and barked, You hate us! And he said, No, no, that was yesterday. Today I love you. <laughs> Judson Cornwall preached that morning and the power of God was on his words. At the end of the sermon, there was a huge line of people wanting to speak to him personally. Something he usually avoided, but he sensed that God wanted him to be attentive to the people individually. One by one, people came and thanked him for helping them to forgive the Americans. Whether because they had lost loved ones in combat against them or in the bombing raids. Cornwall saw pain and resentment cut both ways. But the obedience to the Spirit of Christ heals historic hurts and unites us in the love of God. I think that last sentence is worth re reading one more time. Are you okay with that? Cornwall saw pain and resentment cut both ways. But the obedience to the Spirit of Christ heals historic hurts and unites us in the love of God. Today, I'm going to ask everybody to have a private moment with God. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? Oftentimes, I ask you, what is God speaking to you? But today, I want to ask a couple of different questions based on the word of God that we just received. First question that I want to ask you is, is there a category of people that you know in your heart of hearts that you've been treating as common? Come on online. Don't check out right now. This is not for just the people here in the room. This is for you as well. Is there a people, a category that you know in your heart of hearts that you have been treating as common?
Search your heart and ask the Lord, is there any racism? Is there any prejudice? Any ungodly preference that you need to repent of? How about this? How have you been seeing people lately? Have you been seeing people with the eye of the flesh? Or with the eye of faith? If you know you're wrong and you need to repent, just take a moment and ask God for forgiveness. Ask God to heal you. And ask God to lead you forward. Ask God to give you a spiritual sight. To see past the external. And to see people's hearts. To view them as he views them. And according to Christ. Here's another question from the heart of God. I asked it once already. But in this quiet moment with God, in this holy moment... Who's at your gate? Could be a group of people. Black. White. Latino. Asian. Maybe it's the wealthy. Maybe it's a political party. Maybe it's those people, whoever those people are. Maybe in anger you've called them that bunch of idiots. And that bunch of idiots is standing at your gate. What opportunities wait you? Open and ready. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord that you've spoken to our hearts today. God, today we commit to repent of prejudice, racism, our sinful ways, God. We lay them at the feet of Jesus and ask you to cleanse us of these sins by your blood and by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you lead us on, God. And may the church, not just the rock church, but the church of Almighty God on the earth, be a picture of unity, of love, of our communities. But ultimately, may we be a picture of heaven. Every tribe, every nation, 
every tongue, together in unity. We are one in Christ Jesus, and we love each other. Oh, would you just let the love of the Lord fill your hearts right now? Would you let his love fill your, for, fill your heart for humanity? Would you let his love fill your heart for your brothers and sisters in the Lord? Would you let his heart and his love and his compassion fill you for the lost, the hurting and the broken? Just today, maybe you want to just lift up your arms like you're going to receive something right now. Just receive that love in a greater measure today. Father, we thank you. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We're grateful, God. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.